come from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. The Jewish New Year is about to begin, and while there will be plenty of celebrating and feasting, Rosh Hashanah is also a time for reflection and repentance. On today's podcast, I want to talk to you about the Jewish approach to repentance and how it is the key to living your best life. I'll show you the biblical source for the Jewish understanding of repentance, and we'll explore how this perspective can enhance your own walk with God. The Jewish New Year is an opportunity for everyone for complete renewal, for letting go of the past and walking confidently into the future, for upgrading your relationship with God and rediscovering your true self. On today's episode, I'm going to show you how. Today, we are going to explore scriptures related to the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. The verse I want to begin with today is the biblical directive to observe this holiday. It is the first verse in Numbers 29, and I'll read it to you now. On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. This verse is interesting. It tells us that this holiday is a day for you to sound the trumpets, which is why it's often called the Festival of Trumpets. Even today, the most important part of the holiday is blowing the shofar, the ritual trumpet in the synagogue. But the Bible doesn't explain the purpose of the trumpet blowing. And we have to wonder, what is this holiday really about? In the Jewish tradition, the Festival of Trumpets is most commonly referred to as Rosh Hashanah, which means the beginning of the year, because this holiday marks the beginning of the Jewish New Year. In my home, we've already begun to prepare for this joyous holiday by baking traditional foods like honey cake and other sweet treats. We do this because it demonstrates our prayer that the coming year be a sweet year. Jews eat a lot of symbolic foods on Rosh Hashanah that reflect our prayers for the new year, to be righteous, to be successful, and to overcome our enemies. And it is such a joy for me to prepare these foods with my children and pass on our family traditions. But aside from this holiday being a celebratory time, it also has a very serious side. It is part of a time known as the High Holy Days, which begin on Rosh Hashanah and end 10 days later on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In fact, these holidays are so important that we've been preparing for them spiritually for an entire month. Today, though, we're going to focus on Rosh Hashanah, which according to Jewish tradition, falls on the anniversary of the creation of the world. Specifically, the last day of creation, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, as we say in Hebrew. So on one hand, this day is a celebration of mankind. But on the other hand, this day marks God's judgment of mankind. 
God looks at his creations on Rosh Hashanah and gives us a sort of annual report card. And just as he takes a look at how we behaved over the past year, we need to reflect on the past year and make improvements where necessary as well to be aligned with God. Judaism teaches that on Rosh Hashanah, God does his initial assessment of mankind. And on Yom Kippur, he makes his final judgment. Now, of course, our God is a loving God. He is merciful and forgiving. So Yom Kippur is therefore called a day of atonement because God is especially forgiving specifically on that day. But it is still our obligation to use this time for introspection and self-improvement. In other words, it's a time for repentance, for returning to ourselves, to returning to our source, to returning to everything that we want to be in connection with God. There is a special name for these 10 days that begin with Rosh Hashanah and end with Yom Kippur. They are known as, in Hebrew, Aseret Yemei Tshuva, which means the 10 days of repentance. The purpose of the shofar, the ritual trumpet that we blow on Rosh Hashanah, is to initiate this time of repentance by waking us up from our spiritual slumber. The days of repentance continue all the way from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur, when we attain forgiveness. This process that we go through every year is an important part of our walk with God throughout our lives. And I think that this special time, rooted in the Bible, can be very meaningful for Christians too and will certainly nourish your soul. I love this quote from Billy Graham. He once said, Every year during their high holy days, the Jewish community reminds us all of our need for repentance and forgiveness. So here we are, about to start the high holy days, and it is time to focus on repentance. But while we all agree that repentance is an important value, the act of repentance can mean different things to different people of different faiths. How would you define repentance? How does one repent? Is repentance even possible for everyone? I know we have a lot to learn from each other, but I want to share a few ideas from the Jewish perspective about the meaning of repentance and how it can powerfully impact your life, whether you're Jewish or Christian, because it comes from the Bible. The most important thing that you need to know about the Jewish perspective on repentance is that there is no Jewish word for repentance. Instead, we use the Hebrew word tshuva, which literally means return. So in Judaism, we don't repent, but rather we return. In Jewish thought, the biblical source for this comes from Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. I told you it comes directly from the Bible. It says, and when you and your children return to the Lord, your God, and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today. In this verse, the act of fixing our behavior and drawing close to God is described as a return to the Lord. The difference between repentance and return may seem minor, 
but there are major implications. The first lesson that we can learn from the Bible's use of the word return is that the goal of repentance is to move beyond our past mistakes. The rabbis taught that there are four stages in tshuva. The first is stopping our negative behavior. The second is regretting what we have done. The third is acknowledging our mistake. And the fourth is resolving not to repeat it again. When people engage in repentance, it's easy to get stuck in the stage of regret. A lot of people become consumed by feelings of guilt and remorse, but in doing so, they fail to move forward to the next steps, which actually complete this repentance or returning. They remain trapped by their past mistakes. Teshuva takes the emphasis off of remorse and puts it onto return. It's less about penance and more about progress. Regret isn't meant to keep us locked in the past. It is meant to help us let go of the past so that we can return to where we should be in the present. I remember a few weeks ago, I was scheduled to visit an IFCJ project that I had never been to in a part of the country that I'm not very familiar with. Thankfully, God gave man the ability to invent GPS systems for people just like me who have a lot of trouble following maps. I plugged the address I needed into my Waze, my GPS of choice, and by the way, an Israeli invention, and I followed Waze. I began to drive the directions that it was telling me. About 30 minutes into my drive, I made a wrong turn. But just as quickly as I lost my way, I heard that familiar beep telling me that I'd gone off route. If you're like me, you know that sound well. And so I stopped. The beep was immediately followed by a voice saying, recalculating route. And within seconds, the voice led me back on track. No matter how many times I missed a turn or went the wrong way, all I had to do was return to the right path, and eventually, I got back to the right place. I got directly to the project that I was meaning to visit. Now, if instead of getting back to the right path every time I lost my way, I would have pulled over my car and cried over my mistakes, I would have never gotten to be where I needed to be. I would have just been stuck after taking the wrong turn. If I would have belittled myself for my poor navigation skills or told myself that I should just give up, I certainly wouldn't have gotten anywhere, and I definitely wouldn't have gotten to the IFCJ project visit on time. In the same way, if we get caught up in feelings of guilt and shame every time we make a mistake, we can get stuck. But teshuva keeps us focused on returning to where we need to be. Of course, regret is part of the process, but it's definitely not the end point. I want to tell you, God loves you. Do you believe that? I hope you believe that. He doesn't want you to live your life in shame and regret. He loves you and he wants you to return to him and enjoy your relationship with him now and in the future. That when you go off path from your relationship with him, just recognize it, turn around, and return to him. The goal of teshuva is to get back on track. And no matter how many times we stray from God in the path of righteousness, we can always recalculate our route and return 
to our loving Father in heaven. Avinu shebashamayim. This brings me to a second important lesson that we can learn from the word teshuva. The word teshuva doesn't only imply a return to God and the path of righteousness. It also suggests that repentance is a process that we return to over and over again. It's not a one-time decision. Change isn't easy, and the road to success isn't linear. We might succeed once and then fall back into bad habits the next time. Repentance is not meant to be a one-and-done experience. It requires patience and repetition as we try and try again. I saw this reality play out when my husband, Amichai, decided to quit smoking. Anyone who has tried to quit smoking or any other addictive habit knows how hard it is, and I have so much respect for anyone who has even tried to do it. When Amichai decided to give up smoking, it was such a struggle. I clearly remember how hard it was for him those first few days and weeks. He didn't succeed every day, but eventually he managed to go days and weeks and then months without touching a cigarette. Amichai went two whole years without smoking when at one point he could barely go two days. But then one day he decided that it would be okay to treat himself to just one cigarette and then go back to staying away from them again. But that one cigarette turned into another and another until Michai was smoking regularly again. To his credit, he didn't give up despite all of the setbacks. Instead, he started the process of quitting all over again. Again, he struggled. Again, he had to overcome defeats. But ultimately, he succeeded. Praise God. And he hasn't gone back to smoking since. My husband's experience taught me two things about change and repentance. The first is that we can never rest on our laurels. We are never done overcoming our temptations. We can never let our guard down, even for a second. Teshuva is an act that we return to repeatedly. The second thing that I learned from watching Amichai struggle is that God is so proud of us when we engage in teshuva, whether or not we succeed right away. God doesn't expect us to get it right the first time or sometimes even the hundredth time. He is patient and merciful. God believes in us and he is cheering us on no matter how long it takes, even if it takes a lifetime. What he wants is that we never give up and never stop trying. That's the most important thing, that we keep trying, that we return to the struggle over and over again. And with God's help, eventually, we will succeed. God doesn't expect us to change everything in an instant, and neither should we. So don't ever give up on yourself or on anybody else. I want to share just one more lesson with you today about what we can learn from the word teshuva. To me, it's a beautiful idea that has completely reshaped my perspective on repentance and my experience of it. Teshuva means return, but you can only return to a place that you have already been. Repentance isn't about turning to God. It's about returning to God. According to Jewish tradition, before our soul comes into this world, we are one with God. This means that before you were born and right after you were born, you knew God. But as we grow older, we forget God and we stray from him. 
some of us less so, and some of us more so. When we repent, when we do teshuva, we return to that close relationship that we once had. Teshuva isn't approaching God for the first time. It's a loving reunion with our creator, our father, our source. It's a homecoming for the soul. The rabbis taught that teshuva is a joyful process, which is why it fits so well with the holiday spirit of Rosh Hashanah. It is a joyful journey home into the loving arms of our God. What better way to start the year? The rabbis took this idea of returning one step further. Teshuva is not only a return to God, but also a return to our true self. As the Bible tells us, we were all created in the image of God that God created us to be. Knowing this can make all the difference between believing that change is possible and giving up without ever trying. My friends, we can never forget who we really are. Children of the King created in the image of God. The word teshuva reminds us that God doesn't ask us to become someone we could never be. God invites us to return to who we really are. Repentance can be difficult. It requires patience, persistence, and inner strength. But it can also be so beautiful. It can be a joyful return to our Father in heaven and a rediscovery of who we were meant to be all along. In Zechariah 1.3, we read, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. Shuvu elai ve'ashuvelecha. This is the season for returning to God. He waits for us with open arms, hoping that we return. This week, pick one thing to work on. It could be a habit you know you should break or a mindset that doesn't fit with your faith. It could be doing something you know you should do or making more time for God. Whatever you choose to work on, do it with joy, knowing that the more you return towards God, the more he will return towards you. In the words of the priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine unto you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week. And Shana Tova Umetuka. May it be a sweet and healthy new year. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.